Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to talk about something that you know or you intuitively know. Let me go ahead and put it out there and then I'll jump right into the podcast. But here's the big idea here. Trusting the Lord does not mean that everything will go okay for you. And I think reasonable Christians can sign off on that. Yes, Rick, I get that. I know that. I affirm that. But here's the thing. When things don't go well for you, there's a difference between intellectually discerning, knowing something, and functionally living it out on a day-to-day basis, especially when what I'm talking about here is happening to you. Your life is not going the way you had hoped it would go. There is a thing called disappointment with God. And if you do not know how to navigate this truth, when your difficult time comes, you will have a hard time recovering. If you want to read this article, you're welcome to do that. The title of the podcast, the title of the article on our website is, I Trusted God and My Life Fell Apart. If you have trouble finding this article, finding the podcast, or if you have any other technical question for us, we do have a feature on our website. You can look on the bottom of your mobile device. You can also look in the bottom right, that is. And you can look at the bottom right of your computer, your laptop, and you'll see a pop-up bubble where you can click on and We will give you technical support. This is a feature that we provide as we're always thinking, we're praying, we're asking God to give us insight on how to serve our community more effectively. And so we do have a live chat feature that you can click on. And when we are available, uh, because (laughs) it is uh, operated by real people, we do get that question in live chat, are you a real person We are real people behind this, and of course, we can't uh, operate our live chat feature 24-7 because we don't have the human resources to be able to do that, but we try to keep it going most of the time. We're on the East Coast in the United States. We do get that question as well. Not only are we real, but another common question is, where are you? We're on the East Coast in the United States, and so we operate mostly during that time zone, and so we can't uh, provide live chat 24-7. But I hope that day will come where we can operate it uh, for all the time zones around the world. But we're getting closer And for those of you who pray for this ministry, thank you for praying for it in that way. The way that I'm talking about is to be able to serve people more effectively. We want to be in the crowd. We want to be in the public domain. We want to be where you are, and we're always thinking, praying, asking God to help us uh, to do that more effectively. And the live chat feature is not a forum feature. Again, we don't have the human resources to be able to interact with you with your counseling questions through this feature, but we can help you technically. And so we can help you find an article. We can get you on our forums where you can ask questions. And so please use it. And if you need help finding this article, just let us know. Click on that button, that bubble, 
and hopefully we'll be there and somebody will pop up and and we'll direct you to where you need to go. I trusted God and my life fell apart. All you really have to do is type in the church, uh, search box on our website, my life fell apart. If you type that in, then I promise you this article will come up. Let me begin it this way. The preacher blared from his pulpit, quote, you follow God and he will take care of you. Now let me go ahead and tell you this is autobiographical, at least this part is, because in my early Christian life, I was part of a what we would call the fundamentalist movement, a legalistic group of people, and, and there was a lot of preacher blaring from the pulpit, and one of my pastors told me, here's the exact quote that he said, you take care of God's business and he will take care of your business, and because I was a young Christian, I said, okay, sounds great to me, and so I will be busy about my father's business and he will take care of mine. And so the preacher blared from the pulpit, you follow God and he will take care of you. And there were a smattering of hearty amens throughout the church building, followed by, you preach it, brother. And everyone went home happy and confident that life was going to be okay because God takes care of those who give their lives to him. That was the message Biff heard. As a 20-something-year-old new convert, let's move forward, Biff is 43 today. He's divorced, hurt, and angry at God. The Lord did not take care of him, at least not the way that he expected, and isn't that the problem? I wonder how many of you can relate to Biff. I know that those who come to our forums, many of them can relate to Biff, and there has been more than one person who has put in their subject line, I am Biff. Now, maybe you were not divorced, but your life took turns that you never expected, especially after you made your decision to follow Christ. Biff's story is most definitely my story. As I said earlier, this is somewhat autobiographical. I was a 25-year-old, biblically illiterate young man who trusted Christ. Somehow, I picked up on the notion of God taking care of me. Imagine that, the Lord taking care of you. And I knew that things would be different. Of course, I need to caveat that. I knew things would be different according to my expectations, and isn't that a problem? We smuggle in our expectations, no matter how subtle they may be, of the kind of life that we wanted. Now, at the beginning of my walk with Jesus, life was refreshingly different and mostly positive. You see, I came out of an abusive family structure and the drug culture on top of that. I guess looking back on it reflectively, now that I'm an older man, how could religion miss? I mean, anything was better than the life that I was living, and so it was. God was new, fresh, alive, pure, for once I was living a preferred life. Then there was a bump in the road. 
and I fell off the, quote, God will take care of me bandwagon. When things began to go bad for me, guess what it revealed? I had an unprepared heart that could not accommodate these new turn of events. What was happening to me caught me by surprise, and I I fell somewhere between the regretful tension of woulda, shoulda dream that I had and the actual story that God was writing in my life. Biff was not prepared for the pain either. Somehow he slipped into the mindset of thinking that he could have his best life now. He confused life on earth as though it was supposed to be like living in heaven. He wanted to experience heaven on earth rather than fallenness on on earth. You see, what he did is he blended this two-part Christian life into a hybrid. The two-part Christian life I'm talking about is life on earth and then life in heaven And he had twisted it, blended it into a hybrid of his own making. Though he believed in the two parts, the earth part and the eternal part, he got them blended and twisted in his mind. James talked about the earth part as a mist when he gave this quotable line, What is your life? He went on to say, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's the earth life. The Hebrew writer gave us his big thoughts about the future when he fixed our gaze on our permanent dwelling, the eternal part. That part has very little in common with our life on earth. He said it this way in 11.13, These all died in faith. This is Hebrews 11 where we get this great list of historical figures in the Old Testament Many of them went through horrific things in their earthly life. And he said, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Now, you can find scores of other passages that separate the mist life that James talked about from the future life that the Bible talks about as well. The keys to remember about this perspective that I'm sharing with you, there are three keys. One, you will live both of these lives, earthly life, eternal life. Number two, you will live them in a particular order. And number three, the two are connected but not overlapping. The missed life is on earth, which has battles and wars and evil and sin and casualties. The future life is in heaven, which has no war, no evil, no sin, and no casualties. If you don't have this dichotomy, these two things, and the order fixed in your head, you will be set up for a lot of disappointment. And from there, you will fall into the traps of discouragement, discontentment, disillusionment, and possibly disbelief, which is why I titled the article, I Trusted God and My Life Fell Apart, because there is a potential here 
of becoming an unbelieving believer, trusting God salvifically, but walking away from God in a sanctification sense. You see, this confusion is what happened to me. I had a future hope for my present evil world, but I did not realize how the danger that this kind of thinking would wreak havoc on my soul. When I fell, it was hard. And when the numbness wore off, I was discouraged, discontented, disillusioned, and on the verge of unbelief. I mused, quote, Why should I follow God? I was doing His bidding, and He couldn't keep me from being hurt. You know, like what the preacher was blaring from the pulpit. You follow hard after God, and He'll take care of you. Do you see the problem in this kind of thinking? My understanding of suffering in an evil world was immature and incomplete. In 2 Timothy 2.3, it says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. There were passages that I had read and taught, but did not personally and practically apply. These verses were the ones that talked about suffering in an evil world. Every New Testament book has these verses. Isn't that ironic? They are there laying right on top of the page, right right on top where you can see them. And by the way, they make great preaching text, albeit they're they're hard living text. For example, Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And here's the Peter passage, 1 Peter 2.21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. The Peter passage is one of the most difficult and challenging passages you'll ever read. The context goes from 1 Peter 2.18 all the way to 3.7. And it's important that you get the context because of how he takes his preamble on suffering, which is chapter 2, 18 through 25. That's the end of chapter 2. And then he applies it to marriage, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Is it, is it interesting that before he talks about marriage, he talks about suffering? You see, Peter develops a robust theology of suffering as he connects the heart of your missed life, your life on earth, he connects that to the Savior. He talks about Jesus in this passage and how he suffered. I read the text to you earlier, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. And so this robust theology of suffering This missed life is connected to the Savior. He says that there is a call upon you to suffer just as Jesus lived out his call to suffer. Peter then appeals to you to walk in his steps. Here's more irony as it pertains to this verse. This verse in 1 Peter 2.21 was the premise for the book by Charles Sheldon called In His Steps. You may not know of Sheldon's book, but you probably remember the slogan that came from that book. The book was written almost 100 years before we got the slogan. The slogan is WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? You see, back in the 90s, the Christian community went bonkers over WWJD. 
The context for that idea was all about suffering. You are called to suffer. The slick bracelets were cutesy, but the reality of genuinely living that kind of life is like thunder and lightning in your soul. Dying a martyr's death is far more traumatizing than wearing high-gloss bracelets or making millions by placing it on T-shirts, WWJD, or hats so the Christian community can sport their relevance and herd mentality. You'll know if your WWJD bracelet is authentically working for you the next time somebody breaks your heart. When you step out on the courthouse steps just after the judge declares you divorced and in a matter of seconds you lose your wife and you lose your two children, that's an autobiographical statement. That is the moment when the evil in this world crushes your life and either your faith will carry you through or it will disappear like a worn-out novelty bracelet. Though WWJD was a cool fad, it won't help you in trauma. Your help won't come from what's on your wrist, but what's in your heart. Biff was a relevant Christian, but the power of the gospel did not shape his heart. The gospel talks about someone murdering a man who came to earth to live a Christian life, or in this case, that man was Christ. The mind-bending other side of the gospel talks about a heavenly father permitting those evil people to murder his son. Isaiah said it, said it was the will of the Lord. It was his will to crush his one and only son. That is 53.10. You see, we have two ways to look at this problem, the death of Christ. On one side, we see a man being put to death by cruel people. That is true. On the other side, we see a man being crushed by his father, according to Isaiah. It is true. These two concepts are essential for you to know. Both of them are true. Yes, God allowed sin to happen to a perfect person. Yes, God can use sin sinlessly. It would be interesting for you to diagnose how you think about the problems that come into your life. Do you see your problems primarily as what is happening to you on earth by evil people or evil circumstances? Or do you see your problems primarily as your heavenly father being up to something profound in your life. Both of these things are true. But one of these ideas should have primacy in your heart. Which one does? Sadly, if you are problem-centered and can only think about the evil that is happening to you at this moment, you'll miss the truth of a kind father working in your life. If you primarily see the bad stuff happening to you as part of God's story, that he is writing for his glory, you will be right in line with his thinking. And this perspective will also position you to receive amazing grace that will assist you through your ordeal. Your heart perspective about the Lord will set your life trajectory. Jesus had a higher and greater worldview than just this missed life. He had a vision for a great ending, which gave him empowering endurance for the suffering that he went through on earth. We see this in 12.2 of Hebrews, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured 
the cross in his missed life, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, the eternal life. Jesus believed his Father and was willing to come to earth to endure harsh suffering because he knew there was a greater good. Do you believe in God? Now, more than likely, you're going to say, well, yes. And, well, you should say that. But I'm asking a more in-depth question. I'm talking about a faith that transcends your pain and suffering. I'm talking about an enduring faith, not a Sunday school faith. The only thing that will give you the power to endure these kinds of trials is this kind of faith in God. Only God can sustain you through your trials. Your job is to believe faith. Believe Him. You must know faith, that He is working for you, even when you can't see Him. You must be confident faith, confident that He will not ultimately let you down. You must hope faith. Hope that no matter what comes your way, God is there and he is working out a better future for you. This confidence is the kind of faith that I'm talking about for you. It's faith alone in God alone. You may not get your self-defined best life now, but if you rightly position your faith in God alone, you can have a surprising and satisfying experience. The real question is, what do you want? Maybe you could ask it this way, what would make you happy? The way you answer that question is by asking a better question. It goes like this, quote, I could be happy if, and then you fill in the blank. There is only one right answer to that question. It, it is something like this. I could be happy if God were my king, period. In Exodus 23, it says, This is the first and greatest commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Nothing else can be equal with God or more significant than God. It is God alone this truth was why Christ was willing to give up his life. He knew it would be okay. In Matthew 10, 28, it says, Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Here is some irony for you. When you can find your satisfaction with God alone, and you don't need anything else to make you happy, you can have a piece of heaven on earth. This soul condition, this soul condition, is the heavenly jewel of contentment in your terrestrial life. You can experience the future life of rest and contentment today. You can bring the future backward into your presence. Present. This kind of experience does not mean God will protect you from all present evil trouble. Christ was able to sleep in the midst of a storm, and you can too. But you must not fall into the trap of thinking you are not in a war here on earth. Rest and contentment come from God-centered confidence that He is ultimately in control even if you lose your earthly life. Our problem is that we love our earthly lives too much while making claims for some of life's pleasures and perks as though that is all that matters. 
If that is how you think, you will be an unstable and disillusioned Christian. It is true. You cannot serve two masters. Jesus said it this way in 624, Matthew, quote, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, you can paraphrase this and say you cannot serve God and some other desire that is competing with God. Do you want peace on earth? You can have it, but God may have to kill you first. And that's what he's saying in John 12, 24. Jesus said, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Let me repeat my question. Do you want peace on earth? You can have it. But God may have to kill you first. Only when you die to your selfish ambition, secret desires, pet preferences, and expected outcomes will you be able to enjoy peace on earth. Jesus said it this way in Luke 9, If anyone come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? And then five chapters later, in 1426, he says this, If anyone comes to me, out of the book of Luke, and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That preacher that I was sharing, talking about earlier, I was paraphrasing one of my former pastors who said, if you do God's business, if you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your own. Well, that preacher who blared from the pulpit, you follow hard after God, this is what he should have said. You follow hard after God, and it may cost you the dearest things you have, even your life. But there is an inexpressible grace for this entrance into the depths of the knowledge of the sufferings of Christ. Even, if you're, even in your greatest losses, you'll never be disappointed with the Lord because He is all you need. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3. He said, Indeed, I count everything as loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. The title of this podcast is, I Trusted God and My Life Fell Apart. 
The truth is, I am Biff. The truth is, it is autobiographical. The truth is, as a 25-year-old, biblically illiterate young man who trusted God, uh, somehow I picked up on the notion that God would take care of me and things would be different according to to my expectations. There is a thing called disappointment with God. Every Christian has experienced it to some degree. Now, what I did 30 years later is I took all the notes that I could remember. I told the Lord that I want to take copious notes of the suffering that I was going through as I lost my wife and my two children and at some future day, I'm going to put those notes down and, and possibly share them or at least remember them, muse on them myself. Of course, I didn't know that all of that would turn into this, this ministry that you're listening to right now. I didn't know that it would turn into a book, but it did 30 years later. The title of that book and the things that the Lord taught me Shortly after I stepped out on the courthouse steps and my world crushed me, the title of the book is Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing, taking a turn from Job 3.20 where he said, The thing that I have feared has come upon me. I would love for you to get the book. There's a link here uh, in this article that you're welcome to read, or you can go to our Amazon page and just type in four words, Rick Thomas, Suffering Well, and that book will come up, and it's a couple hundred pages, and you can read the things that the Lord has taught me during that dark season in my life. If you'd like to chat with us, you're welcome to do that. Go to our forums. They're free to you. Ask your question about this or something else. It would be a joy to serve you. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.